Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You are a busy entrepreneur architect. You're hustling to find the next project, meet with clients, keep the bills paid, and if you're lucky, maybe find some time to design. So how do you continue to learn what you need to know to grow? How do you find the information and the training you need to become more effective, more efficient, and more successful? I know you're busy because I'm an entrepreneur architect too. That's why we built the Entree Architect membership. On the first Wednesday of every month, we invite an expert into the academy and they teach us about one specific topic on how to succeed at business as an architect. 60 minutes each month, live training and live Q&A. Then you can get right back to work. And when you remember, you gain access to so much more. Unlimited access to business resources, a video library, and a private member forum with hundreds of entrepreneurial architects just like you. Everything you need to build a better business is available right now at Entree Architect. Subscribe today at entrearchitect.com slash join. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 286, and this week I'm speaking with architect Stella Osborne, and she's sharing her story, starting as an architect developer from scratch. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, 
and so much more at rcat.com. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. And Gusto, easy online payroll, benefits, and HR built for the modern small business. Stella Osborne, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great having you back. You were part of a, a, a panel where we talked about parents, and we'll, sh- we'll, share, we'll share that episode on the show, uh, on the show notes. Um, yep. But I invited you to come back to talk about what you're doing today, because you're doing some exciting things. But before, before we get into that, let me just uh, introduce people to you and you to them. Uh, Stella is an experienced licensed architect and project manager based in Atlanta, Georgia. You're still in Georgia, right? I am, yep. yep. Uh, Stella has a uh, has had a desire to develop for about 15 years and is now heading up a small mixed-use project in her own neighborhood of Riverside in West Atlanta. Her aim is to provide some missing middle housing as well as commercial spaces and services in the walkable village area of Riverside for both neighbors and commuters. This past June, Stella was one of three presenters at this year's Shark Tank event uh, presented by the Urban Land Institute in, in uh, Atlanta, and all four sharks were intru- uh, interested in her pitch, which is really excellent. You know, that's really exciting. Very exciting. Um, there's lots of buzz now because of that, and um, she's currently in the fundraising stage with her venture partner, uh, Paul. Is it? Uh, how do you say his last Gerardo. name? Gerardo. Paul Gerardo. Paul Gerardo. Um, and so she's doing it. She's. She's I'm doing, doing it. She's doing a lot of what we're talking about, right? A lot of <laughs> us are in the community are talking about architect as developer, wanting to develop. Um, and so uh, Stella announced in the Entree Architect community on Facebook that she was on this Shark Tank event, in the Shark Tank event. It wasn't, it wasn't the televised show. It was, it was a Shark Tank-like format where um, uh, people, who, entrepreneurs that have ideas, present to a, a panel of, of sharks in front of a live audience of like 200 people, right? That's what you, exactly. you said. And yep. uh, you present your idea, yep. and then they sort of grill you and grind you. And <laughs> if they're interested, they invest, and they're all exactly. interested. And you have somebody who's interested in investing. And so I wanted to get you on this show uh, and talk about this because I think you – I want to learn more about it for myself because we're, we're about to start some ideas of our own with development. Um, and I know there's lots of people in the community who have this idea too. And, and there's, there's these roadblocks in front of us, right? There's these things that we keep looking at and say, well, I can't do that because I can't do that because, or there's lots of fear involved in, in doing something you don't know. And there's some risk and there's money and how do you do it all? And so I wanted to bring you Stella onto the show here, uh, and talk about that and how we did, how you're going to do it. But before we do that, I want to, I want to learn more about your origin story. So go back to where you discovered architecture. What was, uh, what inspired you to become an architect? Tell us that origin story to where we are today, and then we'll get into some of this talk about development. Okay, sure. Um, I'll go back to my childhood. Uh, this is important. I grew up in. Um, I was born uh, in Athens, Greece, in Europe, and lived there till I was eight years old. 
to some folks that may not be, you know, enough of a, an influence, but I believe it does because a lot of the architecture that I want to design and develop has a little bit of that European flair. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much into um, the mixed use uh, type projects where you're providing shops on the bottom floor and a couple of store, even just a couple of stories of residential above. I think it makes for more of a lively uh, neighborhood. Um, so I grew up grew up in uh, part of my life in Europe, and then we moved to the States. Um, we lived in New York a little bit, and then moved down to Florida for middle school and high school. In high school, um, I did a lot of uh, art classes, sketching, rendering. So I thought initially that I would be a renderer. I did a lot of watercolor freehand type stuff. Um, but at, along the same lines, at the same time, I took uh, a drafting class, a mechanical drafting class, just to try new things in high school and really got excited about that. Um, we drafted, hand drafted different p- mechanical parts as well as houses and, and buildings and just got excited about that and did some exploration about architecture and being an architect and what that entails and um, just dove right in. Um, got into Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Georgia. That's what moved me to Georgia and just signed up for the architecture program and um, haven't looked back since. (laughs) That was in 1996. So I have been involved in architecture in some way, shape or form since then. So so Athens... I'm sure had a huge influence on you. Uh, yes. Both, you know, and and eight years old is old enough to really remember it and experience it and have those memories in your in your right. brain, right? Right, definitely. And also, I guess I forgot to say that through through my teenage years, we would go back to Greece in the summertime when school let out. My parents stayed in the U.S. for several years because they had to stay here a certain number of years without leaving the country in order for us to become citizens. But my grandmother would take us back to Greece. So, yes, I still have ties to Greece. And that, you know, that urban feel, the way cities are laid out and built is quite different than most suburban areas here. So, um, yeah, like I said, I loved mixed use and walkable and having people on the street at all times um, and being able to walk to your coffee shop, restaurant, whatever you need. You did know? you did you know how special Athens was when you were growing up? Because we all, as architects, we all learn about Athens, right? Greece right, is, right. is a major part of architectural history class, right? right. It's a big, big piece of, of the foundation of everything we're doing today. You know, starts starts back in Greece and Rome and all all of those places. And so, did you know as a child, uh, or was it just like, this is just life? No. This is just where I live, and this is how it works. And when was- I was a child, and even when I visited in the summers, like through, like I said, through my teen years, I didn't realize how special that part of the world is. Um, in late high school and definitely college, when in you know architectural history class, you learn about um, Europe and all the, the main sites, um, archaeological sites and the Parthenon and everything. Acropolis, you just, I just didn't know. I just didn't know when I was a kid. I just enjoyed living there. When, when did that, that moment happen? Do you remember the moment where you're like, you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I live there and, you know, we're talking about this place as if this is like a, you know, like a, like a, you know, this very, very special place. 
Right. Was there a moment in your life where you where you went from that's just home to wow, that's a special architectural location on this planet? It wasn't really like a switch, but yeah. it was like like I said, it started in high school, and then when I was in college and um, shared my story with folks, every, you know, just seeing everybody's reaction, like, oh my goodness, you're from right. Greece, yeah. I can't believe it, you know. Um, I guess it was a gradual process, but it really hit home when I was in college. Yeah, yeah, and so the work that you're doing now was heavily influenced by that, the, the mixed-use work that you want to develop. Um, yeah, you're looking back at those buildings and those those uh, environments and this, this the urban fabric of, of Athens and European cities and how right. they, they work, and they work so beautifully. And even small towns here in the U.S. are very much built on that same tradition where right. uh, you have storefronts, and above the storefronts you have residential. Right. Um, and it makes for a beautiful walking community. And people go to visit those little, you know, exactly. villages because it's their places to go for the weekend. And like you want to go and experience that. And so exactly. Um, I, I, and I also believe and we can talk about this a little bit is that with the with the uh, the way we're all working or starting to work because we have this Internet uh, tool at our hands where we can have these video conferences and we can work remotely and we can, we can basically work for or with anybody in the world. Now that we have these tools, I think right. many of us are going back to these virtual studios, working from our own home studios, uh, which potentially, you know, could be also, you know, our homes and our businesses. It's like the new modern version of living above the store. Um, exactly. <laughs> and, and to create these uh, developments, I think we'll do it even more, you know, where we, where we can uh, work from home and have the storefronts below us and be able to reach the world through the Internet. I think that that type of development, and it already is, you can see it's happening, uh, is becoming more and more popular and more and more desired. Definitely. It definitely is. Um so, yeah. so how did you, how did you, where did this idea of development come from? So you graduate architecture school, you work for some architects, um, you become an architect. Where in this timeline did you say, okay, I, I want to do this. I want to build myself. How did you, where did that happen and, and what was it like the first ideas? So when I was in graduate school, also at Georgia Tech, um, we were, you know, in grad school, you're able to do more of kind of your your vision you put out your projects your thesis it's all kind of what's in your head you're not modeling other other buildings or other architects you may use them as reference but you have more freedom mm -hmm. to kind of create your own architecture so that I think graduate school was where my Greek entrepreneurial background and the architecture education kind of came together and something inside me was thought, you know, I, I love working for other firms. I did it for a long time. I learned a lot. You, I think you have to, you can't yeah. just go from school to doing your, having your own practice. There's a lot of information out there to learn from folks that have been at it for decades longer than you have. Um, but I think, um, that was the time when I thought, you know, I, I, I've got to do something else. I've got to develop, I've got to create my own projects. Um, and I lived in LA 
for a couple years from 2007 to 2009. I wish I had taken the opportunity to take one of Jonathan Siegel's courses because he used to do them live back then. But I didn't at the time. You know, I was in my late 20s and I just didn't think I could afford it Um, anyway. So, yeah, I think it was grad school where kind of just a light bulb went off and said, you know, I've, I've got to pursue this other route. But it's taken me, you know, another 15 years to get there. Yeah, what were <laughs> and the roadblocks? And that's road- okay. And that's okay. What were the roadblocks that that uh, made it 15 a 15 year, year long journey? Well, I think so let me back up. Mm-hmm. I back then I thought it should be happening faster, but now when I look back I think, you know, everything happens as it should. Mhm. As cheesy as that sounds. I, that um, is my philosophy. So there's no cheese involved in it. Yeah. I, I am where I am at the time that I need to be. So that's I totally fine. 100% then, I, right. So in my 20s and 30s, I guess, you know, part of it was, like I said, money. His course, his live course back then in San Diego was $1,500 for a weekend course. And, you know, that, that was a month's rent in LA back then. So I thought, Oh, I can't do that. Then, um, I got laid off, moved back to the East coast. Oh, you know, got to save all my pennies and get a new job. Can't do it then. Then I start a new job. I start traveling to do construction oversight, um, from Atlanta to new Orleans for almost two years. Oh, don't have time to do that. Then I meet someone, my then someone that I married. We're not together anymore, but, I was married for uh, a few years, so then I was met someone, got married. Oh, can't do that. Can't do it then. Then we, we bought a house, so the money was all going to the house. Oh, can't do it then. Then yeah, I start having kids. I have two little kids. Um, now they're four and six. Um, so it's just been one thing after another. But about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, I just decided I I had to do it. If I don't do it now... I've just got to dive in. Um, and I still have had naysayers over the last year and a half, you know, trying to talk me down or telling me that I'm crazy or that, you know, how, how do I have, you know, the, um, this, um, this, this drive and desire to go out on my own, what happens if the industry goes downhill, whatnot. And I just, I've just kind of put that to the side because they're not doing the work. I'm doing the work. I'm taking the risk. And I, I believe that you have to take risks um, to get what you want. And if you don't take the risk, then there's no way you're going to get what you want. So I've got to at least try it. It's like I'm young enough to where if something were to happen, knock on wood, I can still save myself. I still have time to go back to another firm or whatnot. But I'm also I'm experienced enough where I can handle projects on my own and uh, be confident enough to to talk to all the players to talk to the investors to the realtors to the banks to try to do you know to make this vision come true yeah did I answer your question yeah absolutely and I want to talk about the mindset of it the 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 roadblocks that were in your way that that you know I can't do it now I can't do it now I can't do it now and and going through that is frustrating right you you, you think those are actually barriers where Looking back to those barriers, every time that happened, you're learning something and you're being yeah. delayed and things are happening while you're being delayed and you're, you're gaining more information, you're gaining more knowledge and you're gaining uh, more stability. And so the idea that you, you said about um, things happen when they're supposed to happen, um, yep. what would you say to yourself 
10, 15 years ago, if you can talk to that Stella 15 yeah. years ago, would you say, you know, be patient, it's going to happen? Or what would you say to that? that? I would say be patient, learn as much as you can from where you are and whoever, you know, you're surrounded by your colleagues and your bosses, but be patient. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the it's 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 difficult to to as you're living through it, it's difficult to experience it. Yes. Um, because I've I feel the same way. One hundred percent my whole life, you know, is is basically happening the way it should happen. Um, right. even entree architect and the development of entree architect and how it's grown and what it's become and what it will become. Um I just sort of stay consistent and continue forward and keep moving forward and, and just have faith that it will eventually become what it should be. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it sounds like you're, you're doing the same thing and you're now at that moment where it's supposed to happen. And you're yep. so, so you're proceeding with that. And I'm sure there's fear and there's risk. You said there's risk and there's people who are telling you that maybe you shouldn't do this. And those are probably people who love you and care about you and want to make sure that you're not hurting yourself by pursuing this risky plan, um, you know, and that's what they should be doing, right? And yeah. so you need to balance those those um, uh, those thoughts and the, that advice. And now you have this knowledge and this this experience, uh, and move forward and take that risk because it won't happen if you move if you don't exactly. go forward, right? It, it'll yeah, just... there's there's zero chance if you don't take the chance. Right, so. right, and it may not work, right? It may not work, but I'll still learn and I'll make the next one better. We'll be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. If you work with specifications in your firm, you probably have come across outdated manufacturer specifications with confusing notes, products that no longer exist, or maybe even companies that no longer exist. Maybe you even pay for those specifications. Stop, stop the madness. There's a better way to find our manufacturer specifications for your project documentation. It's our friends at RCAT, RCAT.com. RCAT is the number one most used website for finding building product information, and it has a free library of over 1,400 up-to-date accurate specifications. RCAT's specs are written by professionals based on manufacturer data. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find the right specifications for your project and quickly download them into multiple formats for free. Google, Google can't do that. You don't even have to register at RCAT. Just go over to RCAT.com, that's A-R-C-A-T.com, and start building better content today. Do you remember when you started your firm? It was no small feat. It wasn't easy. It took a lot of late nights, early mornings, and maybe even the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners like us. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. That's my favorite part of FreshBooks. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. 
The best part? FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. It's free. No catch, no credit card. It's free for 30 days. Go check it out at entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And when you're there, let them know that we sent you Entree Architect. Pop that into the how did you hear about us section and let us let them know that Entree Architect sent you. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And old school payroll providers, they just aren't built for the way that we work as small firm architects. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy for us to get it right. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and a great service for your team. And to help support the Entree Architect podcast, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto and claim your free three months of payroll processing for free three months at entrearchitect.com slash gusto. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. How far did it get before you um, presented to the Shark Tank? Was it already, was it going to happen um, whether Shark Tank happened or not? I think the the submission, so, so the ULI puts out this um, competition. And that was, I think, the, the instigator, the moment when I thought, this is, you know, I've had my eye in this neighborhood and this part and this type of development for for a few years now but um the opportunity came for me to submit on this competition and that was i guess what started it all i just said you know what i'm gonna do it i sat down on a sunday night four days before it was due hmm. um you know came up with some quick massing studies inspiration images site plan put it together collaborated with like i said my venture partner paul gerardo that first part of the week and we put it together we did rendering so we probably put you know 45 50 hours worth of work over a three-day span and submitted and three weeks later found out that we were selected to present and then there was some fear there in that moment there was excitement a lot of excitement but i gotta be honest there was that moment of Oh crap! I've got to present now in front of all these people, and I got to make sure I understand all the lingo, right? So, the next month between uh, when we found out we got chosen to the presentation was um, a lot of coaching from previous presenters, um, running the pro forma, making sure we can speak all, like I said, the lingo and the numbers, the IRR and this return and how long is this going to take and all that stuff. There's a lot of numbers and percentages that we don't learn in architecture school right. and I'm still learning. Um, so yeah, it was a, f a quick four weeks. 
Um, and by the time I got up there on June 19th, um, I think it went really well. Uh, I felt more confident. Um, and that in and of itself was a learning experience because now I know that I can do it. I can present in front of 200 people and it's fine. You know, and a lot of folks came up to me afterwards and congratulated us and said it's, it's an exciting project and let's connect. So, so yes, so now it's, you know, getting investors out there, walking the site, looking at what else is happening in the area and getting them also excited about this part of Atlanta, West Atlanta. Yeah. How important do you think the accountability of the Shark Tank was to, if, to having you move forward? Um, I think it was a really, really good stepping stone. Um, I think I would have done it regardless, meaning even if I hadn't been selected, mm -hmm. that, that, but just submitting and just putting something pen on paper, right, or in the computer as right. we do it now, yeah. is to yeah. rev it. Um, I think uh, that was definitely a huge, huge jump to be able to present, but just just submitting, just getting our act together and just putting a packet, putting a model, putting renderings, putting a description to it, um, I think that was huge. Yeah, the deadline of this is the going. The deadline this of is, submitting, yep. Yeah, that this yep. has to happen, or, or I've, I'm committing to this deadline. Exactly. And so now I have to do all of this work that needs to get done. I have to yep. get it done by that deadline. And, and, and because there are people who are expecting something from me. And if I don't exactly. get it done, there's, I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to fail. I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to let people down. It has to. Well, I wouldn't go that far because, I mean, they didn't know that I was presenting, right? That was an internal kind of, this is, right. this is the time. I've got to create something. Yeah. So. But um, then after you were after selected. That, then yes. that. Then there was a second then. deadline. Right. There was a second deadline. That was the one that where I felt, oh shoot, I've got to do this right. I've got to be able to present. I've got to get my story straight, like the way I want to present it, the way I want to get folks engaged and excited about it. That was the moment when I thought, if I don't get up there and say it the right way to get folks excited, that would be failure. Yeah, right. Because so, the first deadline, you were working on things that you were very good at. Right, you yes. were developing your your project. It was all yep. about architecture and development. That stuff that you knew, and then once you were picked, now you had to not only continue to develop the idea so it was better, but now you had to right. learn all of these other things that you didn't know how to do yeah. in a very short exactly. amount of time. And so you compressed exactly. all of this knowledge and experience into a very short amount of time, and then hit a deadline, presented it. Yes. And the rest yep. of it, you know, now you have all of that information and all of those connections and all that networking that that comes along exactly. with this big decision to exactly. proceed. Um, uh, well, it got you gets you so far, so much further along, and it gets you started, right? Because now, exactly. now you exactly. now you really have to proceed because now right. there's, there's people who who've who've said we're interested. You have partners yep. who said we're doing this. You've committed yep. to doing it. Um, yep. So that deadline and those and and that commitment and the accountability that comes along with that commitment um, is so important to to help us get through the fear. Exactly. Right, because it's the fear is the thing that's stopping us. There's always an right. excuse that we can rely on to say, "Oh, it's it's I, it's not a right time now. I don't have enough money. I you know I just bought a house. I you know it, all these things. It really comes down to fear because even every one of those steps you could have gone forward. 
right? Right. And there was just the fear that there were other things in your life that it wasn't the right time. Right. Um, and so by getting to the point where you're comfortable, you want to proceed. Now, how do I get over the fear of proceeding? Mm-hmm. Right. And so by having something like Shark Tank, or in my case, starting Entree Architect 12, 13 years ago, or 2012, mm-hmm. whenever that was, um, it, it, uh, I did a 12, 12, 12 project. I committed on December 12, 2012, that I was going mm-hmm. to launch Entree Architect. And then I announced it to everybody on my blog. And I had, you know, and then you a, had to do it. a few hundred people <laughs> who read that blog at that time who, who said, that's what we want. We want that to happen. So we're looking forward to 12, 12, 12 to happen because we want to know what your, your plans are. So now I right. have to do it. I have to launch yep. it and I have to do the pot. That's where the podcast started. And I was afraid. Even if you go back to episode zero and listen to that episode, mm-hmm. it was all about overcoming mm-hmm. fear. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing the parallel between me starting what I'm starting and you starting what you're starting. And I want right. to encourage other people and inspire other people who have these big ideas to right. proceed, to figure out what can I do to set an accountability, to set a deadline um, that would get me over the, get me through that fear. Right. Yeah, I think therapy helps too. Hey, <laughs> can I can I uh, can I tell you how much I appreciate the Entree Architect group? Yeah. By the way, um, I've joined. Uh, it's been a couple of years, but in the last year, so I mentioned that. Um, about a year ago, I decided to take the plunge and start my own company. I'm a sole proprietor, which gives me the flexibility to do the architect as developer thing, right? right? Yeah. And this then in this spring in April, I had the opportunity to submit on this competition, which we just talked about. But that year, I have spent a lot of time on the architect group, which led me to another you know, small developer group, which... Yep. It's just kind of one thing leads to another. So like this book, that's what got me started, actually. So your group pointed me to the uh, James Petty Architect and Developer book. And from there, I was able to find a ton of other resources and go to conferences and go to seminars and learn as much as I can about architect as a developer. So I don't want people to think that it was like, oh, a few weeks and I just put it together. You know, it's been a lot of work kind, you know, kind of in the background. And now was the time that I could, you know, put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're living in an amazing time in history of the world where we have this, the access to these tools that allow us to connect Mm -hmm. to everybody on the planet. Right. And when we have a community like the Entree Architect community, um, with, with, that's open to, it's a private group. If anybody doesn't know, it's a private group that's, that's exclusive to architects or architecture students. You just ask to join, show that you're an architect and you can come in. And it's a place where you can openly have discussions about anything that you're going through. And so, I, and it's an Entree Architect group, the small developer group, all these groups are facilitated by the, uh, the, by the technology that we have to be able to connect. Even this interview now is right. you know, through Skype. It's all because of this technology. Um, and, you know, I'm st- I know it's become part of, our lives it's it's ubiquitous and it's everywhere and it's everything we do and it's just the way we do it but i i lived in a time where it didn't exist and and it's really a fascinating thing that we can uh do things like this where a community like that which i just started it the people inside it is what makes it so special um it's the people that share with one another openly and help one another and the culture that's in that group is really what makes that group so special 
and people like right. you who are active all the time and help other people and post your questions in order to inspire other people to not only come back with questions, but to other people who are in the same position who will read right. your question and those answers and say, oh, I can do that too. And know yeah. that there's a group of people there who will support you in anything you need uh, going forward. Exactly. Um, it's a very special time that we're, we're living in. Um, and, and thank you for, for reminding us about that. Thank you for starting the group. You're welcome. It's, <laughs> it's my an pleasure. amazing place. <laughs> yeah, thank you. If anybody wants to join it, it's entrearchitect.com slash group. We'll send you a direct link right there, and you can, you can ask to join. Um, so what's the next step? So now you have these sharks who are interested, and you have um, your, your partner. And what do you, where, where are you now, and what's the next step in the development? Yeah, so, that's a, so yeah, that's a lot of balls up in the air at the same time. So like I said, I've got to talk with and interview and walk the site with realtors and potential investors, get commitment letters. At the same time, I've got our lawyers working on agreements for the uh, LLC as to how, you know, what everybody's role is and, you know, how everybody gets paid out. How many investors and, um, do you think you'll have? Uh a tricky question because initially we were hoping to get all the money for the project for the land soft costs and the construction from investors mm -hmm. which is pretty bold that's what i presented um at the shark tech event but i'm open to um getting getting it financed as well so it just depends we we'll probably need 10 to 20 at least depending on you know if if we get a loan from a bank or not Right. Um, the other tricky part is we're still, so it's three lots that we'd have to assemble and we're under contract on one of them, but we're still negotiating on the other two. I'm getting surveys done next week. So that's a risk that I'm taking without being under contract under all of them. So it's a lot of delicate kind of pieces, you know, getting the commitment letters, getting the bank to look at it, um, getting the land under contract. So, yeah, it's an exciting time. But Are you doing all that work yourself, or do you have a team that you're working with? Uh, just Paul and I. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that's yep. a, big, a big undertaking. Is it, is it, it taking is. up all of your time, or are you doing architecture so, as well? Some weeks more than others. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still have to have uh, paid work. Yep. So I just have to find the time. Basically, every day I try to do at least six to eight hours of paid work and then a couple hours of the development project. How long? And if it you, has to go to the weekend, I do that too. How long do you think it will take to assemble the, the, the site to get those other properties? Uh, probably another couple of months, honestly. So, so do you think that you'll – do you have a, a, a schedule on when you hope to start construction? Like start developing yes. the site. Yes. So we yes we had to come up with a schedule, a project schedule for the Shark Tank presentation. So um, we've got it at two year two years. So two years total, meaning the rest of this year, 2019, we're um, assembling the land, getting commitment letters, getting initial funding started to buy the land, talking with the city, zoning, assembling it. Um, like I said, the three properties, getting all the uh, the uh, agreements put together um, and potentially submitting for site work permit first. Um, 
early 2020 submitting for our building permit. So we're thinking spring of 2020 to start construction. That gives us a year to construct and another four months to advertise and, um, and fill up the building. Now, we'll be advertising the whole time. You know, as soon right. as we get the land under contract, we'll have renderings up. Um, and we'll be procuring tenants. But, uh, yeah, so the whole time is two years. To answer your question, starting construction, anticipated spring of 2020. And have you assembled a team of uh, real estate, you know, people and, and attorneys? And do you have all of that, those people figured out and who they yes. are? Yes. Yes, we have real a uh, realtor representing us, um, and then we also have the uh, the attorneys that are that will be doing the closings, and they they do our um, agreement yeah. letters. Have yeah. you have you listened to the inside the firm pod, in, inside the firm podcast with Lance and Alex? I've been meaning to. You should. That's why <laughs> I bring it up. You absolutely should okay. because they okay. are doing what you're about to do, and they're okay. sharing all of it on their podcast. Okay. So it's inside the firm podcast.com is a link directly to their show. Okay. They're good friends of mine, a very good podcast. Um, okay. and, and after the show, I'll, if you'd like me to, I'll send an email to connect you directly with them because, um, they are learning the lessons that you're going to have to learn too, and they'll be able yeah. to help you. And they're very open to, to helping. So we'll most make, definitely, I would love that. Thank we'll you. That, we'll make that, we'll make that happen for sure. Thank you. Um, so super exciting, scary, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, yeah. is there anything that you're doing on a regular basis to sort of continue to push through that fear? Or is it is the momentum sort of just carrying you through it? Uh, it's a little bit of the momentum, but also um, I, I meditate. I started meditating uh, a little over two years ago, and I, I try to keep that up. Um, I can't do it every day. I'd like to. But just taking a step back. Basically, to me, what meditation is, is taking a step back. Whenever you get um, stressed out or overwhelmed or you think you can't, you know, solve a problem, you just, you got to take a step back. You got to pause, take a break. Um, and not to say that after the 20-minute meditation that I, that I have the answer, but it just helps me relax. And I know now after all these years that I will come up with an answer. It may not be today or yeah. tomorrow morning, yeah. but I will come up with an answer and it's, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And that comes with the experience, right? That comes through all those right. years of, of pushing and waiting and not now and not the times, not now. Um, that, that wisdom that you have now knowing that it's all going to work out. I just have to be patient and figure out how to make it work. And sometimes you need to stop and just, back up and take a break yep. and shut everything else out and just focus inward and allow, exactly. allow, allow it to happen, right? Allow your stress levels to come down, allow the ideas to come up. Um, meditation is so powerful when you, when you do it, it on a regular basis. Um, it is. And it's really just, I mean, some people hear meditation, they're like, oh my goodness, it's so difficult. Or what is that? That's sort of woo woo. It's really just stopping, right? It's just stopping and being quiet. No. For the most part, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I've um, I've got guided meditations and things that I've been doing. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it's just taking a break. Yeah. Don't look at your phone. Just you know, 
go for a hike or just look at the window or just just sit there just yeah. breathe yeah. Uh, yeah are you uh are you using any apps to do to do the meditation i'm not um because i have guided meditations that i've used mm -hmm. um but i could um i could share with you yeah. resources <laughs> yeah yeah i would love to i'd love to put some okay. some resources in the show notes uh, for anybody who's interested you know i know the um the Headspace app I've used is, is good. The Calm app is also good, C-A-L-M, Calm. Um, but, uh, you know, I have, I've also listened to a few meditation podcasts that are interesting, that mm -hmm. they've done podcast episodes that are just meditation, guided meditation um, series uh, mm -hmm. that, are, that are good. And that sort of helps you get the idea of how it works. Um, and then you can do your own thing. You know, you can either do right. it on your own or you can do some other guided meditation. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, very helpful definitely especially when you're stressed and you're doing these big scary projects i you know i'm 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 doing this project on my own home here in north carolina now that we've moved and there's a lot of stress you know <laughs> you know there's a lot of stress from the new york to north carolina transition you know right. just the, the new world everything is new um, right but uh but also the construction and trying to run multiple businesses and manage construction it's overwhelming and sometimes yeah. you just need to stop and take a breath but I bet. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder for that. Cause I got <laughs> <laughs> that. That'll help. I haven't done that in a while and that definitely will help. Yeah. All right. So, um, Stella, this has been a really great conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share with the community before we wrap things up here with our final question? Not off the top of my head. All right. Let's get right into the final question then. So, um, Let's and we can focus this on development and maybe focus it on fear, maybe focus it on just moving forward. But what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Oh boy, um, you said focus it on development. Um, it could be it could be anything. I mean, if somebody came to you who has this idea, maybe you five ten years ago, somebody comes to you in that same position and says, "I want to do what you're doing. How did you get there? What's the first step I need to take?" Okay. I guess I'll answer that. And I think there's two steps. One, I would say, if I knew about the James Petty architect and developer book, I would say, you got to go there. Okay. Hands down, start there. It's the first we, thing, first book you got to read. We will put a link on the show notes for that book. So everybody yep. can go to the show notes and grab that book. Definitely. So I would say you got to read that book. It won't take long. It's an easy read. And if you're as passionate uh, as I am about being an architect developer, it's, it's just like, Awesome. And then, um, I, and then I would say, take some online courses if you can on investing, on real estate development, just to kind of understand the math, the lingo, what investors and banks will be looking at. So if you could do one class, you know, a semester, do it in the evening, one or, you know, a couple hours a week, I would, I would start there. I think that, um, would be it'll, it'll come in handy when you're ready to take the plunge. Yep. So build your foundation. Mm -hmm. Learn yeah. what you need to know at a very basic level, and that'll give yes. you confidence to get to the next step, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Very good advice. So Stella, you uh, you can be reached at if anybody has any questions for Stella directly, um, you can reach her at her email address Stella uh, Stellarchitect at gmail.com. So it's Stella Architect with one A, S-T-E-L-L-A-R-C-H-I-T-E-C-T -E -E um, at gmail.com. And we'll put that on the show notes as well. 
Stella, this has been a great conversation. This has reminded Thank me so about much. a bunch of a bunch of things I need to do right now while I'm doing this project. But it also has given me some some fuel and some information for what I need to do as I move forward with our development project. That still is just an idea. I mean, we have a we have a property right. that we want to develop, but right now it's just me saying we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I need to go buy that book. And I need to go take some courses, and uh, and I'll keep you posted. But I wanted to thank you for coming here and sharing your knowledge, uh, sharing some inspiration and some motivation for the rest of us. Thanks for being here at Entree Architect Podcast. Sounds great. Uh, thank you so much. It was fun. So this is episode 286, 286. The link to share, my friends, is entrearchitect.com slash episode. 286. Please do that. Share a link to entrearchitect.com slash episode 286 to one friend. One friend. Do that right now. Send it by Facebook, by Twitter, Instagram. Send it by email. Tap a friend on the shoulder. Say, hey, entrearchitect.com slash episode 286 with Stella Osborne sharing her story, starting as an architect, as developer from scratch. Stella has shared so much information here. We can all do this, right? We can do this. If you wanted to do this architect as developer thing, you can do it. You just have to start. You just have to start. That's the the lesson here is you just have to start. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 286. Share. Share it with a friend. And go join Entree Architect. Come join us. Come hang out with us. Come learn every month. An An expert trainer comes into the academy Uh, for 60 minutes, share some valuable, valuable information on marketing or sales or or financial management, everything we need to know to run great, small, successful small businesses as architects every month, 60 minutes, in and out, get back to work, and you get access to everything else. You get access to all our courses and our our, uh, business resources and a great video library and the Slack group. It's all in there. It's all in there. Go check it out at entrearchitect.com slash join. Simple to remember, entrearchitect.com slash join. Go check that out. And if you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, does that sound like you? Well, then you are an entree architect. And I encourage you to build a better business. Go do that. Build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share. My three rules. Love, learn, share. Just do that and everything else will work out. Love, learn, share. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, 
sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long-term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.